0: Don't Donate a Kidney to a Stranger by George 3D6 Donate a Kidney to a Stranger is a battle cry picking up some fervor in EA circles. The stem of this seems to be certainty in a flawed understanding of medical research, combined with conviction about a rather acrobatic view of morality. My argument against donation is split into three parts, with the first being by far the most important. Why Kidney Donations Do Great Harm to the Donor. Why kidney donations are ethically fuzzy and might be a net negative. Why the desire to donate a kidney is likely misplaced. Heading. I Health Impact. Summary. Kidneys are important, and having fewer of them leads to a severe downgrade in markers associated with health and quality of life. Donating a kidney results in an over 1,300% increase in the risk of kidney disease. A risk-averse interpretation of the data puts the increase in year-to-year mortality after donation upwards of 240%. While through a certain lens, you can claim kidney donation is not that big a deal, this perception stems mainly from comparing a very healthy donor population with your average American or European, pre-diabetic, overweight, almost never exercises, and classifies fruits as cake decoration as opposed to standalone food. Furthermore, when research evidence is mixed due to the difficulty of the studied area, lack of data, and complete lack of open data, we should fall back to our theories about human physiology as well as common sense, both of which paint a very bleak picture. You should not donate a kidney if you aren't prepared to live the rest of your life with significantly decreased cognitive and physical capacity. Subheading 1. A limitations of medical research. After more than 5 years of reading medical research as a hobby, The only thing I can conclude about it with certainty is that it's uniquely hard to do well. It sits at the intersection of cutting through a very complicated part of nature that isn't amendable to the kind of experiments that yielded so much success in fields like physics and chemistry. It is filled with actors that have misplaced motivations and do not care about correct interpretations, nor about data quality or outright fake data. Not because they are evil, but because getting the right result means a payoff in the billions of dollars. Filled with actors that impinge upon doing science correctly under the guise of ethics and privacy. Often with no real effect on what a normal person would think of as ethical or private, but that's another topic. The reason kidney donation is considered safe is because, from a limited amount of epidemiological and observational studies, with follow ups in the 2 to 30 years, there is On average, no increase in mortality. None of these studies were RCTs, and the sample size is quite low. This amount and type of evidence would not be sufficient to approve a drug. The quality of these claims is about as good as the quality of claims one could make about a relatively niche diet. There are two big generators of error here. A. Matching controls. Which is to say, any study that looks at this will pick some controls based on factors like demographics, biomarkers, and sometimes intent, that is, people who wanted to donate a kidney to a family member but there wasn't a match. Being the kind of, naively, good selfish person who would donate a kidney can correlate with a lot of positive outcomes. B. Researcher and publication bias. You rely on the researchers to get the data analysis right, and you rely on whatever gets published being representative as opposed to cherry picked. As it stands, the data on which these studies are is usually not public, so you can't double-check the researchers here, you can't pick a different lens through which to analyze the data. More importantly, there are vast amounts of data on kidney donation that isn't public and was never studied. Was it not studied at all? Did someone try studying it, only to find lukewarm results that they thought were not worth publishing? These questions are impossible to answer. Not only is medical research hard, but, unlike physics, it lives under a fog of war. Where data is closely guarded as opposed to made public for all to observe. If you are to trust this data with roughly 100% confidence, then you'd be living in a very strange world. There is more data, and better data, for example data gathered in double-blinded RCTs, that shows things like. Homeopathy works very well for a variety of conditions, sometimes better than real drugs used to treat them. Increasing the healthcare budget and the amount of healthcare people receive. Both in rich countries, for example USA, and poor ones, India. Having no effect on mortality. I can make both of these claims based on many individual RCTs, as well as based on the aggregation of all existing RCTs. I'm not saying that these claims make sense, they don't, there are critical lenses through which we analyze research. But if you claim to, just follow the data, and ignore the issue of data quality, selection bias, and fraud, without applying a critical lens, you are lost. Kidney donation is perfectly safe, but it's safe in a world where the US should allocate no more than a few dozen dollars a year per person for healthcare, and those dollars should be allocated to homeopathic treatments. Asterisk, note. Since in this world observational studies are sufficient to justify such claims, it contains a lot of other strange things including blueberries being more effective than any medication at preventing diabetes, asterisk. Blindly following fuzzy data is insufficient, you need models to filter it. Conceptual bridges that link data to the rest of knowledge and the rest of reality. In the case of homeopathy, we can reasonably assume that it doesn't work because. It stipulates mechanisms that can't be corroborated from observations with the devices we use to conduct physics and chemistry. It uses drugs that show no measurable effects when tested in vitro upon anything. The studies looking at it are fuzzy, they show improvements or treatments for diseases that go away naturally. Nothing that a bit of publication bias and a bit of dishonesty in looking at the data won't give you. They don't show indisputable evidence such as roughly 100% cure rates for roughly 100% incurable diseases. Subheading. 1.B What is our model? So, I guess you aren't prepared to burn your health insurance contract and switch to buying homeopathic remedies, because you have strong models of reality that a bunch of small RCTs can't overturn? Then, let's try to integrate the observational studies attesting to the safety of kidney donation into a larger model of reality, and see how it holds up kidneys do a lot of things they filter most substances that have to be removed from the blood via a rather clever self other style detection mechanism much like immune cells kidneys don't know what they should filter out since there are limitless possibilities they just know what they should put back in once they filter everything they help regulate salts and minerals both via increased filtration when excess is detected by decreased filtration when lacks are detected, and by signaling upstream processes to correct the excesses or lacks. Given that salts and minerals are an unassuming name for one of the primary mechanisms by which we create, preserve, and regulate the membrane potentials needed for cells to exist, this is a rather important task. Having an optimal balance of for example calcium, potassium, and sodium is necessary for anything from cognition to movement, to maintaining an optimal heart rate to preserving the antimicrobial properties of saliva, to skin health. We can frame this former function in many other ways because it will affect things like fluid retention, erythrocyte production, B-cell production, really production of any cell type derived from the bone marrow, bone growth, and bone resorption, blood pressure. Does having one less kidney affect these mechanisms negatively? In some cases, it can be hard to say because we don't know how to measure the optimal In a few cases, with things like blood pressure or GFR, the amount of blood the kidney can filter in a given period of time, we have strong reasons to believe we know what the optimal values are. In the case of blood pressure, we have hundreds of double blinded RCTs for dozens of drugs, dozens of which have stronger methodologies and more subject than the entire kidney transplant literature. What we do know is that the body does a tremendous job at measuring hundreds of thousands of things dynamically and adjusting them to preserve optimal function. Kidneys are one such component of this measurement and adjustment process and they are expensive as fuck to evolve, maintain, and operate. So if we didn't need two, we wouldn't have two. There's some redundancy involved in having two kidneys, sure, but our bodies are perfectly happy to stop maintaining critical organs like the thymus, spleen, and even parts of our brains as we age. Given that they will no longer be optimally provided our short expected lifespan, they are an energy drain. If the two kidneys we had were optional rather than necessary for optimal function, surely we'd observe humans or at least many other animals reabsorbing one kidney or significantly reducing their mass as they age. Let's also look for skin in the game. For example, the vast majority of medical statisticians and researchers are vaccinated against COVID. This is because they trust the data, and the data plugs well enough into their model to think that there's close to zero risk of anything horribly wrong happening and it provides some benefits to themselves and the society they live in. Many of the people in the Harvard School of Nutrition indeed eat vegetarian diets and limit protein intake, or at least avoid large amounts of saturated fat and fatty meat. Pharmacists, doctors, and medical researchers, usually, take the recommended drugs for their illnesses much like everyone else. Have most of the researchers looking at kidney donation donated a kidney? Have most nephrology researchers donated a kidney? Most surgeons doing kidney transplants? Obviously not, otherwise, we'd have more than 200 donations to strangers each year in the US. There are 10,000 board certified nephrologists, and a few more hundred are added each year. If they took this data seriously, they'd all donate. Heck, on top of those, you can add nephrology researchers, the medical statisticians who happen to focus on kidney disease. Transplant surgeons, and all well-informed nurses in the nephrology units, thousands of these specialists are created each year. If most of them believed donation to be essentially safe the shortage of kidneys would be half-soveled. Maybe they are all evil people? They will not take even a marginal risk to save a life. Maybe they are all insane and are unable to translate what they learn from data into reality. But then, you at least have to accept that you'd be making your decision based on research done by evil and or insane people. Or maybe, their understanding is nuanced enough that they don't think the risk is marginal. Subheading. 1.C, The Literature. Hundreds of thousands of well-monitored kidney donations have happened, and most of the data for these is unavailable, and even the available data is not available for you to look at it directly. This in itself should be proof enough that the epistemic environment in medical research is simply inappropriate for establishing the risk of kidney donation to be zero, given that common sense would dictate otherwise. However the largest studies and meta-analyses do actually find a fairly major increase in risks. Must I make a parade of citing scientific studies that look at large samples of people who donated a kidney to show the obvious? Okay. Fine, what are the effects that we can see in kidney donors compared to matched controls in observational studies? Well, for one, you can see an almost 8x increase in end-stage renal disease, ESRD, over 15 years. There's an image here, described as NIMS 676797F1. JPEG. The absolute percentage here is, of course, very small we're talking 0.3% of developing ESRD over 15 years, that's in the get hit by a car range of risk. An ESRD is not a death sentence, indeed, it can be managed, though your quality of life will take a hit. However, the 8x incidence of ESRD is indicative of an increase in other subclinical issues that don't get recorded. Such as. Your blood pressure is slightly elevated leading to you being a bit more angry. Your ability to engage in strenuous physical activity is lower. Having to go to the bathroom more often. Slight pain when urinating and mild incontinence. Getting more weird allergies from this or that source of food. Etc. All of these, small, things that irk away at your quality of life are how we experience the damage before it's severe enough that we can slap a label like, ESRD on it, and for most cases, the damage is never severe enough to get there, something else kills you first. But that doesn't mean you won't notice the damage, it just means the medical system won't. The most recent meta-analysis published in an authoritative journal by authoritative-sounding people finds the increase in ESRD to be 3.3x looking at studies, including the above, that ran over a 6-to-15-year period. But it also finds a 13.6x increase for chronic kidney disease, which tends to progress to ESRD. Given the shorter overall duration, this seems consistent. I do think you should forget the meta analysis, here and in general, and look at the actual studies. There are a few studies, like the one I cite above, and the Oslo Hospital study below, which are superior in terms of size and control matching, and lumping in a bunch of smaller and older studies in a meta analysis can actually dilute the signal. Of course, there are also studies that find mortality increases 2.5x with 1.3x after adjustments, and these mortality increases only become visible many years after donation. This is consistent with the impact of a single kidney being chronic rather than acute. There's an image here, described as 1S2.0 S0085253815302489 GR2. JPEG. The excess mortality comes, primarily, from the areas we'd expect, for example, CVD. Again, poor kidney function should seldom kill you, it just makes everything worse until something else, usually your CV system, does. It's also fairly conclusive that kidney function overall gets worse after donation, in the long term, as per the largest meta-analysis I can find. This is also consistent with the studies I cite above and with the largest study besides those looking at GFR over time, which finds it to be significantly worse in the long run compared to matched controls after the initial 3-year recovery. That same study finds an increase in metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, worse lipid profile, etc. Hypertension, as expected, is more common, 1.4x, in donors compared to matched controls. I'm trying to present the largest studies and the large meta analyzes here, as well as presenting the same study Scott uses in this article. This is not a comprehensive review of the literature, such reviews already exist and they all conclude roughly the same thing. Quote a bunch of important markers get worse for donors, donors tend to have a higher incidence of disease would associate with reduced kidney function, matching controls is hard and there aren't enough large studies, and none of the matched control studies have a long enough follow-up to be authoritative on mortality. It's very hard to quantify the damage you'd be doing to yourself exactly but if the good end of the confidence interval is, not much, the bad end is somewhere are, 15x increase in serious kidney issues 1.5-2x increase in cardiovascular and metabolic issues, and 2.5x increase in mortality. The reality it is that we don't know, but both common sense and existing studies agree that you should be prepared for an earlier death and a decrease in quality of life. How bad the decrease is, and how early that death will be is impossible to quantify with current evidence. And again, I have to stress, until you hit the ripe old age of 70 or so, the end-stage chronic disease risk and the mortality risks won't be very relevant. And sadly enough there are no decent lifelong studies on the topic. But what the measures above indicate if we plug them into our mechanistic model is early aging, and loss of function. What happens is that. Oh, such a sunny day today, let me go for a bike ride in the park less than 90 minutes of cycling later greater than fuck. I'm exhausted, I need to refill my water bottle, oh shit, the seaside is near, let me do this short trek along the Pacific's coast. Fuck, that made me feel energized, let me head home and do some research less than two hours, and a phone call later greater than the a booty call from this super hot human I'm kinda crushing on, my evening plans are covered. Turns into. Oh, such a sunny day today, let me pee and take my BP medicine and go for a bike ride in the park. Less than 20 minutes of cycling later greater than bathroom break, less than 20 minutes of cycling later greater than few, that was a lot, need a bathroom break and some rehydration. Fuck, I'm exhausted, I'd better go for a nap less than 3 hours and a phone call waking you up later greater than fuck, this super hot human I'm kinda crushing on wants me to come over, but I'm not feeling in the mood and sex feels a bit embarrassing because I have this very mild urinary incontinence thing going on, and I'm overall anxious. Spend the evening reading some existential Russian literature. Neither of the scenarios above is indicative of any medical condition, of an early death, or a horrible thing from a medical perspective. But loss of ability can be horrible at the level of your conscious experience even if it doesn't kill you or put you in the ER. It's death by a thousand cuts, it's the thing that detracts from living life to its fullest, and it's why most people die decades before they are buried. Heading. Two ethical implications. Subheading 2. long term problems. The effect of the kidney donation in terms of abstract QALYs is marginal. You'd probably get the same by donating a few thousand dollars to an effective charity, or by convincing a few older relatives that, no, lizard people don't run the WHO, and yes, they are bad, but you should still get a COVID and flu vaccine. If I were told I could pay $5,000 for a magical pill to fix a mild kidney problem, the kind we know is caused by donating, Elevated blood pressure, some trouble urinating, and whatnot. While, the alternative would be open surgery. I'd pay $5,000 for the pill to avoid surgery alone. Why not consider spending the time you need to donate a kidney, making an extra 5k and donating those? Most of the people considering donating a kidney could. If you aren't smart enough to be able to spend a few weeks earning that much, you should consider that you aren't smart enough to interpret the data here and make a decision and you might be fooled into doing yourself great harm. But, organ transplant is a systemic problem and by donating you are helping kickstart a trend that fixes the system. However, having more kidney donors, while a boost in overall QALY equivalent to donating a few thousand dollars, is more than likely to harm people who need kidney transplants in the long run. At least it will if you assume three premises, which I think most of you hold. We will be able to grow organs in the future. We will be able to have transplanted organs last longer in the future, trivial for organs grown out of the recipient cells, but doable with genetically incompatible organs given an ever better understanding of the immune system. Most workers and investors do things because those things will earn them money. They are okay with higher risks and lower upsides for doing good things, but it still has to be potentially profitable. By addressing the organ transplant problem now, you are actively diminishing the pool of money and the pool of candidates for teams working to improve organ transplants. If you don't believe me, let's look at a real-world example. Artificial blood, a compound that is both within the grasp of science to create and potentially better than your typical blood transfusion, can be an exact match to the recipient, number 1001 viruses, unlimited supply allowing for underserved areas to have as much as they want. Donating blood is altruistic, but we'd live in a better world if we had artificial blood. So, why haven't we invested hundreds of billions into developing it? In part, because it's a $7.6 billion market in the US, the estimates from the above paper are poor, so call it 5 10b. This is insanely small, given that we have 16 million transfusions a year in the US, and a significant amount is done to save lives, the price point of artificial blood could easily be upwards of 10k per liter. The problem? Human blood costs about $300 a litre. The existence of altruistic blood donors means that ruthless capitalists are not going to invest in creating artificial blood. Better to put that money behind the next TikTok. And with blood, this is a reasonable equilibrium. For one, getting artificial blood doesn't solve any other, core, issues in medicine, it's a dead end. Furthermore, while blood from non-identical donors isn't ideal, it's almost as good as your own. Finally, we sit on firmer ground when we say donating blood is safe, or even beneficial to lifespan. We have tons of historical data from people doing this, and a lot more robust data, including quantitative controls between people who donate with higher and lower frequencies. On the other hand, kidney donations are extremely suboptimal compared to grown kidneys from recipient cells. We're talking an, optimistic, mean of seven years of added lifespan with horrible side effects from the immune response and the immunosuppressive drugs. Compare this to a world where getting a new kidney is a rejuvenating experience, with no side effects besides the surgery. This still ignores the positive externalities, growing kidneys is similar to growing any other organ. So advances in this field could be extrapolated and lead to the curing of many other conditions. We should keep in mind here that kidneys are privileged experimentally. You can't go wrong with a grown heart, or liver, or lung. If it fails the recipient is essentially dead within seconds to hours. With kidneys, you can actually have an iterative process, where you try two, five, or a hundred variations of the same kidney. At some point, the operative stress becomes too much, but the fact that we can keep in one kidney while replacing the other, and the fact that we can survive with closer to zero kidney function, makes it uniquely good at trial and error. So your donation of a single kidney is buying a few mediocre years of life, in exchange for taking away a few million dollars of the table from any company developing the proper way of doing this. If this practice would spread, we'd live in bloodland, where no money is left on the table. Now, you might want to say, the end doesn't justify the means, that is we shouldn't act bad now because it leads to good outcomes later, that's the 101 mistakes that lead to things like genocides. Historically, That lesson had only applied when people were bad in normatively obvious ways when hubris got in the face of moral common sense like, don't murder random people on the street and don't pack other humans into cattle carts in order to shot them and dump them in a hole. Donating an organ is no moral common sense, we don't have generations of humans telling us to do it, it isn't mentioned in seminal religious texts, and we have no historical evidence that societies that donate organs are happier and more prosperous in the long run. We are making a, rational, inference either way, so why not make the sensible one? Subheading. 2.B now or later. And maybe you are on board with me and agree that. You are taking great personal risk by donating a kidney, this will lead to a lot of potential suffering for you, and for the people you love, who have to care for you. Estimating the risk correctly is not possible given the data available and the current epistemic environment in medicine you might be harming the common good by closing off this outlet to selfish players who can implement a long-term solution. But you are an inherently good person and it seems like you should self-flagellate yourself for the common good. You want to do it even if outcomes might be worse off on 200-year timelines, even if it harms you. Because you want to do good now, a person you don't know will die and, even if this is inefficient, you could suffer in order to buy them a few more years of life. Even then, I'd argue, the best thing to do is to wait until later. People donate their kidneys in their 60s and 70s. If you are betting on the fact that you will be able to live as a reasonably healthy 60 year old with one kidney, that is very close to betting on being fit to donate in your 60s. Keep in mind that the quality of the kidney donated needn't be great, the recipient's immune system will destroy it well before it degrades on its own, and how healthy that organ is doesn't affect this immune response. A 60 year old kidney is not a 20 year old kidney, but they are close enough. On the other hand, Donating your kidney in the future means, that the recipient has a better chance at survival because of novel therapies to suppress this immune response, and because of better care for whatever disease caused them to lose their kidney function to being with. In the worst-case scenario, you are saving the same amount of QALYs, and you are likely saving more, by waiting. You will offload the immediate suffering caused by the procedures, the risk of death, the risk of complications, and the risk of developing a long-term problem in the future. You have a guarantee that you will live most of your life at peak capacity. 60 years old you will have less to lose, a wiser mind to make the decision, more available data, and be in a position to do more good. This is not a guarantee, certainly. There are scenarios in which 60 years old you don't pass the transplant criteria, but where you'd still be healthy enough with one kidney to live a happy life. There are scenarios where by the time you're 60 the problem is already solved. And you having donated a kidney earlier could have saved a life that diet while waiting for a true solution. These scenarios seem marginal, and I'd be sufficient to do some proxy tests for kidney function and keep an eye on the progress of artificial or grown kidneys in order to donate in time to avoid them. Heading 3 Why You Really Want to Donate The kind of person who wants to donate a kidney to a stranger is the kind of person who suffers from some mental bug that makes them care for people they don't know. This is great, caring for abstract suffering and abstract life is important. Had most, or even a significant amount of people possessed this ability, we wouldn't be living in the world we're living in. I don't have this ability. I would readily and with no qualms let everyone I know die to save my parents, sister, and closest friends. I would readily let everyone in the world die to save the people I know and care about. I would readily choose a greater harm done to some external society to help the society I live in. Happily enough, life hasn't thrown such trolley problems at me yet, and with a tiny bit of work, it's possible to work on things that are good at both the local and global level. And being nice to people usually translates into runaway net positive effects upon the entire world. But, ultimately, I have no idea what I'd do placed in the shoes of a hero like Stanislav Petrov. I hope I'd choose to risk my life in order to save those of billions of people, but I might not, I might pass the problem along and hope the next guy will. And having people capable of heroic actions at a pivotal moment in history is important. It's not everything, I am certain that almost all terrorists and bloody dictators had a similar view of themselves, and used utilitarian models to justify what they were doing as a sacrifice for the greater good. However, given the risk of death and the reduction in optimal function, If you really are the kind of person who would donate a kidney to save a stranger, would it not be better for everyone to keep you around at full function? The one model where this breaks down is if donating a kidney basically pushes you towards the heroic self-sacrifice model of you, making it more likely that you will do good in the future. I'm unsure that this framework applies. Looking at real heroes, be them Stanisville Petrov, Jean Monnet, or Kohler and asterisk 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 Milstein. Assuming they indeed chose not to patent M.A.B.'s for ethical reasons, they seemed to be good people that never made tremendous sacrifices. They played tit-for-tat with society, and, when the opportunity to do a lot of good arose, they took the selfless route and did it. On the other hand, dictators and terrorists tend to sacrifice a lot to their perceived ethics as a preamble to committing their most heinous acts. Sacrifice might be a route of convincing yourself of a very strange definition of doing good, and very strange definitions of doing good when applied are often bad. There are plenty of small acts of good we could be doing in day-to-day life that we aren't. They would make us feel better, they would make other people happier. They would be inconsequential to the greater good on 10 to 1000 years time scales, but that doesn't matter if you believe good things are good. There are plenty of generous acts of good we could be doing. Flying into an impoverished place with resources and distributing them directly while learning about the problems people there have, which a smart and fully selfless agent can probably do a lot more optimally than staffers paid by some charity. It might make you feel good and will avert a lot of suffering. In the process, you will also learn what hell actually looks like, what the thing you are trying to prevent is, in a way that statistics will never be able to communicate to you, data isn't a full picture of reality. This will be inconsequential to, the greater good, on 50 to 1000 years timescales, but that doesn't matter if you believe good things are good. Even if you don't believe it helps that much, it helps give you the information to act better in the future. And then there are projects you can pursue that actually help the, great good, which helps humanity on 1000 year timescales. Of course, if you are working on any such project, you are likely working on the wrong project, and you are mistaken in a way that is, not even wrong. But, one way to stand a better chance at doing the impossible, might be to get a better boots on the ground picture of reality. If you've done all of this, and you still think you should donate a kidney, go ahead and do it. But don't let one of your first altruistic act be one of so little impact, with such a high risk of damaging your long-term prospects. Ethics is fuzzy, there's no way around that. Causing yourself harm doesn't make ethics any less fuzzier, whatever mechanism is telling you otherwise, is wrong. I'm not saying you should stamp out your entire worldview, by all means, keep thinking about ethics and keep having this weird view where the suffering of every living being matters, we need more of that. But don't turn this weird way of thinking into damaging irreversible actions, take things one step at a time and sacrifice lesser things first to do good directly. If embarking on that plane journey to Africa really does feel more daunting than donating a kidney, it shouldn't, so you should first and foremost tackle that inconsistency. This article was narrated by Type 3 Audio for the Effective Altruism Forum. It was first published on November 12, 2023. To report an issue or give feedback on this narration, go to t3a.is.